This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host. Welcome, everyone. This is the Meaningful Sport Podcast, and I am your host, Nora Ronkainen. Meaningful Sport is a series of discussions on the why and how involvement in sport and physical activity can be an important part of a life worth living. If you are interested in the theme, you might also want to check out MeaningfulSport.com. There you can find podcast show notes, read a blog, and access many resources for further explorations of Meaningful Sport. Welcome back to the second part of our conversation with Dr. Frank Martela from Aalto University in Finland. Frank is a philosopher, researcher and author who's made significant contributions to understanding meaning in life, which we discussed in the first part of our discussion, and meaningful work, which is the focus of our conversation today. And as sport researchers, we don't have a big knowledge base and theories and concepts to tackle these questions in our area. So Frank's work in meaningful work is clearly something that we can look for when we try to make sense of these questions and how to explore these questions in sport. So welcome back to the podcast. I've been looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, thank you. Great to be here again. And so in the first part, we already discussed some ideas in terms of how you would perhaps study meaning in athletes' lives, drawing on your work that you produced in in meaningful meaning in life. But on the other hand, meaningful work is the other big domain where you have contributed and you've done some important work in synthesizing these different perspectives. So meaningful work as an area of scholarship has been quite confusing. We have so many different ways of measuring meaningful work and so many different ways of conceptualizing these things. And for somebody who gets into this literature, it's quite difficult to make sense of it. So perhaps we can start with a little bit of synthesis from your perspective in terms of how can we make sense of something so complicated as meaningful work. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's true that like you know, meaningful work as a concert, it's something that it seems that in everyday life, but even among researchers, like different people might be using it to refer to a bit, di- bit different things. So it, sometimes it's hard to have these conversations about meaningful work because one is not sure what the other person is meaning by the concept. With my colleague, Anne Birgitta Pessi, we went through these different like research articles on the meaningful work, trying to trying to like look how, how each of them like defines meaningful work in order to see like what are the elements that tend to like recur in various definitions. And we found out that there's like three broad themes that comes up like in, in various definitions. So one of them was about this like kind of like this broader purpose. So we're, we're having like some impact beyond itself. That seems to be something that is quite often associated with meaningful work. And for example, if you think about like some prototypical examples of meaningful work, then we usually like we talk about like firefighters or we talk about nurses and doctors. And these are occupations, of course, where this like this impact on other people is especially tangible that you're able to even like save people's lives so that seems to be like quite something that is very meaningful if your work involves that kind of thing so this broader purpose seems to be one key theme that people talk about when they talk about meaningful work but then there's also like research like a researcher and people talk about this 
more self-realization kind of deep dimensions. So like pe- being able to do work that like it's somehow expressive of yourself instead of be- being in a work which is like very alienating. So like feeling that you're very alienated from the products of your work and from the content of your work. So you're just like this tiny cog in a machine having to do exactly what you're told. So that's all, all quite often stated as kind of like the paradigmatic example of meaningless work, like not having any say of what you should be doing. So the self-realization is the other dimension. And then the third third thing that like people seem to be referring to is this general sense of significance. So just like this general feeling that work is valuable and worth doing. And we come to conclude that like that in the broadest sense, I think meaningfulness is about this significance. It's about this sense of work being valuable. So it's kind of like that there's something valuable in your work beyond the money that you earn through it. So like, of course, like one motivation to work is usually that people want to have the salary because with the salary, they're able to then like pay the bills and buy food on the table, which are quite important things for humans, of course. But meaningfulness comes into picture when the work is more than that. You know, the elements of your work that you find valuable as such that you would find valuable even if you would think that you would like win $10 million in a lottery. And after that, you wouldn't have to work for money. What would be the elements that you would be looking for in the work after that? Those are the elements that make up the meaningfulness. And probably when you think about those elements, then this like broader purpose, being able to contribute and being able to realize yourself are the two key elements from which this sense of valuableness comes from. But like I think in the broadest sense, meaningfulness is about this value that is attached to work that, that goes beyond just the salary that you get from there. Yeah. And you mentioned these professions such as firefighters who can be saving people's lives. And now that we have been living with the COVID pandemic, clearly the doctors, the nurses who have been working, saving people's lives. It's easy to imagine that they are doing highly meaningful work. At the same time, there has been a lot of concern about the well-being of these workers and having these excess hours of work in very stressful environments. So sometimes doing this work that might be highly meaningful can also have these negative consequences on well-being. Or what does your research say in this respect? Yeah, it's true that if you're like when people find their work very meaningful, they tend to be very like committed to the work and very committed to the goals of the work. So if you're a nurse, you're very committed to the health of your patient patients. If you're like if you're working some animal shelter, you're very committed to welfare of the animals there and so forth. And because of that, then like if there's like too much work to do and you feel that you're not able to like give as good service as you wanted to do. So that can be like quite like then stressful and that can lead to like burnout and so forth. So being very committed to deliver high quality work, but then having like too much workload and because of that, not being able to do that, then that can be like quite bad for a person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also recently talked to a sports researchers who's looked at the work-life balance of sport coaches and other people working in the sport industry. And she mentioned that often these people would talk about their work as being a calling. So this sense of highly meaningful work. But then at the same time, many of them had quite a poor work-life balance. And then you'd see this in the family domain, for example, kind of the costs. Yeah, and I guess like as research on calling, there has been like this research on like the, the, the distinction being made between like this harmonious passion and this more like obsessive passion. So both of them like are like situations where a person is very like committed and like experiences one's own work as a calling. But in the one case, one is still like able to like you know somehow control the thing. The one is able to like you're still 
decide that okay now i've done enough now i go home and interact with my family but in the other ga- case it's like it, it's become so obsessive that one, one has like hard time of quitting the work or doing anything else and then it starts to have like very negative consequences on one's family life and even for for one's long-term well-being because then one one is more prone to burn out and experience much other symptoms of this chronic stress and so forth so yes like i guess like it's it's great to have this sense of calling it's great to have a sense of meaningfulness but at the same time it's important to keep that in balance to make sure that you know one is also taking care of oneself and taking care of for example one family and one's others other relationships in one's life yeah and i now picked up on this so-called dark side of meaningfulness but in general the literature is showing that Having meaningful work has loads of personal benefits and also loads of benefits for organizations. So in general, it does seem to be something to strive towards. Yeah, of course. Of course, like if you experience your work highly meaningful, you are more committed to that, and you are more willing to put into the in the effort and through that also like get more done. But at the same time, when you experience your work as meaningful, you it tends to have like positive effects on, also on your own well being and your own sense of satisfaction with life and so forth. So. Of course, we prefer to be in a work where, which we experience as meaningful compared to where work that would be like meaningless. So it's good from both of the point of view of kind of like the output of work and like performance at work, but also from one's own personal well-being point of view. Mm-hmm. And so in your work, you've uh, drawn extensively from self-determination theory and you have connected this theory with meaningful work. And so it would be interesting to hear a little bit about this theoretical and conceptual integration, how these how these work together, and then perhaps also some results from your empirical work where you use this combination. Yeah, so self-determination theory is kind of like it's this one of the most researched contemporary theories of motivation and well-being, and it has like several parts, and one of them is this idea that there's certain basic psychological needs that all humans have. So all humans tend to have these needs for autonomy, competence, and relatedness. So basically those are the three needs recognized by the theory. So autonomy means the sense of volition and like internal locus of causality, feeling that you're in, in charge of your own life, being able to do things that you yourself want to do. Competence is about the sense of mastery, sense of accomplishment, but also the sense of learning and growing. And then relatedness is about this like connection with other people and having this caring relationship in, in one's life. And besides those three needs, then my own research has focused on this, whether there could be this fourth potential need. And this is this need for contribution, having a positive impact in the life of other people. So those are basically that. So that's what the self-determination theory has been arguing, that these are the needs. And then as regards meaningful work, when we think about meaningful work, I said it's about this finding something valuable in your work that goes beyond the money and beyond the salary. And I think these basic needs can actually explain quite a big part of what are the valuable elements in the work that you can you can experience that can give it the sense of meaningfulness. So and because of that, so autonomy, being able to do something that you actually enjoy doing and find interesting, if that's it's that's something that is present in your work, then you're probably feeling the work as more meaningful because you're able to express yourself through your work. Also, this confidence that if you're feeling that you know you're you're able to use your talents use your talents in your work you're able to accomplish things you're able to grow and learn that can contribute to your sense of meaningfulness then this community and work like being able to have like be able to work together with like people that care about you probably is important for your sense of meaningfulness and finally the sense of contribution having a positive impact it's also like something that has quite much been shown to be important for sense of meaningfulness 
So that because of that, I've been exploring these four factors as potential sources of meaningful work. The argument has been that if the more people experience autonomy, competence, relatedness, and contribution at work, the more they are prone to experience the sense of meaningfulness at work. So I've like done like a couple of studies on the, around the topic, and the latest one, one, one of them was like conducted together with my colleagues from Chile. And we got gathered this like this longitudinal sample of workers. So the same workers answered the same survey three times, like with half a year interval. And then we were ex- examining how these elements were predicting this sense of meaningful work. And in that study, it seemed to that it was especially this autonomy and, bene- and contribution were the two elements that were most prone to lead to higher levels of meaningful work. So if you're experienced like the sense of autonomy, being able to, you know, express yourself at work, being able to do things that you enjoy doing at work. And if you were able to ex- express a sense of contribution, having this positive impact, these two seem to be the key factors explaining higher levels of meaningful work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the contribution element is really important. And we now talk a lot about in, in our societies about the kind of the ethical responsibility of of different companies different businesses in terms of sustainability environmental sustainability social sustainability and so on and i think for many professional athletes we've now had the sporting mega events the beijing olympics just finished and there was a lot of media attention to the human rights issues and on the other hand that the olympics were the most unsustainable from an environmental perspective in terms of Olympics we've ever had before. And so this dilemma that perhaps the work you do as an athlete is highly meaningful for you in terms of your autonomy and your personal development and these things. But if you have a conflict with the organization, or in this case, the governing bodies of sport, and you feel conflicted about doing your work, for example, in this context, which has all these tensions. So I wonder if these debates or these tensions in people's lives have been explored in research that's a good question and i i see those tensions but I, i'm not sure if there has been like much research on that so i know that there's like some like as regards this like this double-edged outcomes of like the sense of calling i know there's some research like in the for animal shelter workers so people who take care of animals and how they have like you know how the organization has like used the situation where they know that these people are highly committed to the animals, then they then they come up with you know that hey let's lower your salary or something like that because they know that the people will not quit because they're like so committed to their work. So that that kind of work has been like coming out that shows that when you're very committed to the to your work, then the organization can like take advantage of the situation and lo- make your work conditions worse. And you're like and people are because of they have this high sense of calling, they are more willing to accept even like worse conditions and they're not like willing to rebel and start to something else because they're so committed to that that work so i guess it's the same in the ports that you know if you would be just working in like some ordinary company and you wouldn't like the organization then it would be like the switching to another organization could, would be like quite easy solution to the situation but if you're like professional athlete and you want to compete in the olympics there's like there's not no like any alternative to that. <laughs> there's no like you know other organization organizing Olympics that you can participate in. So it's kind of like your if you, if you want to practice your profession, you don't you don't have much choice in that. So that means that the athletes probably don't have like so much that that they have in a binded to the organization. No, what matter what the organization as such does, 
So hopefully in the future, the athletes would have like more saying in, in what the organizations will be doing. But at least at the moment, it seems that these organizations sometimes are quite authoritarian in a sense that they they are doing what what they, what they want to do and the athletes don't have like much saying much saying about that mm-hmm. and there is also in terms of the working conditions of professional athletes there's some work for example in the uk in in professional football context football is your sport so um, some links to this but so for example the contracts are short and there is always this precarity and uncertainty in terms of you get injured and maybe you're out and so some sociological work is kind of shown that this some athletes then cynically disidentify this is the work of Martin Roderick from their profession when they realize that they are being exploited yeah it, it probably is true that you know in this kind of field where there's like very much competition to get to the top and very like there's like always more people who are willing to do do the work than there's like you know places in the top leagues in any, any sport so that creates a situation where like people might get exploited so yeah, so it, it can be a tri- tricky situation in this kind of sports, and I, I don't know how to solve that through other than through like some like orga- organized action by the athletes and like you know having like some I don't know athletes labor unions or something like that that could be then like put pressure on these teams and and organizations to give them like better conditions. But yeah, it it surely is a problem in these kind of very popular occupations where. Where like if if you say no to 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 that to the team, then like there's always the next person standing in line waiting for their turn. Exactly, and academia is a high competition environment as well in many other professions. Yeah, yeah, I guess like it, it applies to basically all of these like high calling professions where like the people who are there usually have like this very strong commitment to commitment to the, their work. So it can be like you know it can be artists, it can be musicians, it can be sports people it can be researchers all of these occupations tend to be like they need to have be more people will, willing to do that work than there's places or like places for them so the competition is very high mm-hmm. but in addition to being a researcher you also work consulting companies when it comes to work motivation when it comes to meaningful work what what is your message so we have all these benefits of meaningful work but there is also the danger of misusing this like we have just discussed so how do you work with this in a in a practical context yeah so it's true that i've been like going to quite many organizations in in finland like companies and other organizations and trying to like help them like try somehow increase the sense of meaningfulness or increase the sense of intrinsic motivation that people are experiencing that organization and i think like this this autonomy is probably one of the key needs that like needs to be it's like hardest like implement because of course, those at the top of the organization usually take want to have, they want to have the sense of control. They want to know what is happening in the organization, and because of that, they tend tend to like control the people more that will be beneficial from the like even from the point of view of the organizational outcomes. So, organization probably would do better if they would give up some of their power and give more more power to the people in the organization. So, this applies probably in the sports context, but it also applies like almost in, in any field. So that's something that you know I try to work with these kind of leaders there and try to say to them that hey that that it's it's scary to give up power it's scary to give trust trust in people and give them more autonomy to do things and it can something sometimes be frustrating because like if people are highly autonomous highly motivated then they might not always do what you ask them to do because they feel that they themselves know better and so it's like 
it's not good for your ego if you're if you're that this kind of boss who is like more coaching and more more like you know more autonomy supportive but it's in the end it's good for like you know both the outcomes that you are trying to achieve and also for the well-being of the people in the organization because like when people people have this sense of autonomy they tend to have like higher levels of motivation they're more committed and because of that they're like able to come up with ideas able to come up with solutions to various things so it's not so much up to you what what the organization gets done but it's more that the whole pe- whole group of people are able to come up with various solutions and developing the organization further mm-hmm. yeah so from the organizational perspective there's a lot of work in terms of the organizational culture and the values and and the vision of the organization and helping people to see how this organization can contribute to something good which was something that was important then on the individual perspective what would be we can still in a given job which might not have always the ideal conditions we still have agency to shape our work so what are some of your thoughts in in relation to this what we can in our own lives to do yeah yeah it's true that like of course like there's bigger decisions to be made as regards like what kind of career you want to pursue in what field and so forth which can like be influential as tech regards how much meaningfulness you get from your work but then there's also like this more like things that you the smaller things that you you can do within your own work like workplace so that this job crafting is one topic that has been researched quite much so job crafting is about you know consciously trying to like shape your job more so that it's, it will be like better better be able to satisfy your psychological needs be better be able to like be al- aligned with your interests and your values and that can be done on many levels so one can think about you know the job task that one has what are the tasks that are part of my job which of them are more something that i enjoy doing which of them are kind of tasks that i don't enjoy doing so much and is there something that i can do to like get more to be able to do more of those tasks that i enjoy doing but then it can be also like just like this this crafting on one's own attitudes because sometimes the obstacle to one's kind of like higher levels of meaningfulness might be like the way one is thinking about one's job so this amy resnevsky who is one of the researchers who has done quite much research on this job crafting she had this example that she was like interviewing these kind of like these cleaners in a hospital and then she asked from these cleaners like so what are you doing at here and some of them said that you know i clean the floors here and some other people when asked the same question they explained that that in a hospital it's very important to, to keep the hygiene levels high because high, hygiene is very important so that illnesses don't spread and so forth and my task is to like you know make sure that the, everything is clean so like this this Ill, the hygiene tend, stays on a high level so both of these people were doing actually the, the job description was the same for both people but one person was thinking about just like mopping the floor and the other person was thinking about you know participating in the process where the sick people get healthy and because of that the latter group latter group of people of course they experience like more motivation and more meaningfulness as regards their job and it was just about you know the way that they related to their own job so or even on that level there's quite much that can be done to find higher levels like the more meaningfulness from one's mm-hmm. job and being able to put the little things that you're doing in a bigger perspective to kind of zoom out and see how you fit yeah quite often when we do the work we just like tend to focus on the small picture and like you know there's always something that needs to be done right now but sometimes like just remember the remembering the bigger picture might be enough to make one remember what were the elements that makes one's job meaningful in the first first place mm-hmm. yeah 
So interesting. I'll let you go in a, in a moment. As a last question, which has two parts, I'd be first interested in hearing what are the ideas that you're most excited in relation to meaningful work at the moment and what you are exploring. And then for sports researchers, so we talked about some elements of sport work and some possibilities and challenges for experiencing meaningful work in sport. So the second part of the question, what do you think are some of the interesting avenues maybe for sport researchers to think about in moving this field forward? Yeah, I guess like what I've been myself interested in is that in terms of like, it's good to know that, you know, this autonomic competence relatedness benefits and or that this contribution that they're important for meaningfulness at work and in life in general. But that to make it like even more applicable, it will be like important to like develop these small interventions or, or small things that one can do to actually increase one's like levels of autonomy, for example. So that's some, something that I probably want to do more in the future. So like design some, some small things that can be done at the workplace, hopefully to increase the sense of autonomy and through that, the sense of meaningful work. And then like, you know, design these things and then like go to an organization and give this intervention to 100 people and then have some other 100 people like as a control group and to see like then do we get some tangible benefits out of that? Because then if we get these tangible benefits out of that, that's all like very practically useful knowledge because then you not only know that you know, autonomy is an important thing, but you also have like some thing that you know that you, if you do that, then you're able to increase the sense of autonomy. And I guess like that would apply to organization in general, but I think that's also like something in the sports context that could be done. Figuring out like if we now agree that autonomy is an important topic in sports, then thinking about now what could be like something that could be done in the as regards the coaching style or something like that. What inter what what change could be made to the coaching style and then measuring whether this change in this coaching style could have like some in increase increase in people's sense of autonomy and through that in their in their performance and their motivation to do the sport. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting ideas. And we also had in the first part some some thoughts on this. So I think now there's few ideas for us to draw upon as we move forward with our researching meaning and meaning and meaningful work in sport. Obviously, sport for most people is a hobby, uh, so it's not work, it's their leisure. But then we have this group of professional athletes for whom the meaningful work literature is probably quite relevant. Yeah, but I still think that it's in both cases, the same elements are where the meaningfulness comes from, like both for professional sports people and for, for like this amateur and hobby people. It's the same elements of autonomy, competence, relatedness, and contribution are something that the more we are able to have them present in the sports context, the more people will experience this, these things as meaningful and have these high levels of motivation towards the yes, sport. Yes, I agree. Perhaps just in the professional sport context with this precarity and tough competition, then you maybe have more threats to this meaningfulness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Yes, excellent. I, I really enjoyed our conversation, Frank. And so... I will link your book and a few of your articles that we discussed today in the show notes and, and your website as well, so people can find plenty of uh, resources to explore further. Thank you so much for the conversation today. Yeah, thanks. It was a pleasure to talk about this topic with you. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support.
If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcast or whichever app you use. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.